is Haley Choi, and I'm a Moorhead Academic Coach, and today with Spring at the AEO, the Office for Accessibility and Education Opportunity at Vassar College, we will be discussing why do I feel guilty, self-care, and self-compassion. Let's dive in. What's brewing at the AEO? January being in a grocery store, exhausted by the constant COVID-19 pandemic and news. I was feeling burnt out and tired of working from home. I wondered how long could this go on? The end of the tunnel was getting harder and harder to see. Then I noticed a magazine called Breathe. Now it's been a long time since a magazine grabbed my attention. These days I often gravitate towards books and Netflix series. But this one was colorful and relevant to my background in social work and my personal interests. One of the first articles was entitled Fear of Self-Care. This unusual perspective immediately struck me about self-care, namely self-care guilt. Self-care has been recently called or referred to as a buzzword, a trend, a fad. Although it's a tool for self-preservation and self-compassion, as we think about the global pandemic over these past 18 months, the threat of physical and mental health and the need to pay careful attention to the body and mind is more essential than ever. Often when we discuss self-care, we are bombarded with messages on how to take care of ourselves. In this episode, we will get to the root of what may be getting in the way of our own self-care. How often do you feel guilty about taking care of yourself? Throughout college and graduate school, I was always busy. I was a go-getter. I often felt guilty for slowing down and taking time for myself outside my academics or work. As a result, I'm very familiar with these physical and mental signs of self-care guilt. Some signs of self-care guilt include apologizing for taking time for yourself, feeling like you're being selfish, and pushing it off because you have obligations. Whatever the situation, there's often this nagging voice in the back of our minds that we can make us feel guilty about taking time for ourselves. Ashley Eder is a psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado. She argues that we are surrounded by overt and covert messages that encourage us to minimize our own needs and feel guilty when we engage in self-care. In particular, she talks about how we often feel guilty due to societal pressures with indulging in food and relaxation. Here's what I found. In Nicole Stamp's article, she discusses the long and complex history of self-care and the revolutionary origins of self-care. I found this fascinating. If you're interested, check out this article in the reference section. Stamp shares that self-care was initially used as a political weapon against immigrants, reclaimed by minority groups with roots and care for the mentally ill. In the 1960s, the higher ed field began taking interest in post-traumatic stress disorder and first responders. Self-care was recommended for careers that involved repeat exposure to pain or trauma. In the 1970s, the concept of self-care took off in North America when the Black Panther Party began promoting it as an essential for all Black citizens as a means of staying resilient while experiencing racism. And over the past few years, self-care has been a beneficial way to unplug from U.S. elections and take a break from social media. Now that we have identified the origins of self-care, that self-care guilt does exist, let's look at what we can do about it. Either we are a student, parent, faculty member, or community member, we can all find ways to benefit from reducing self-care guilt. First, we must redefine self-care. Most people tend to think of self-care as yet one more thing that you have to do to add to their extensive to-do list. And it can feel like a chore. It often is pushed to the bottom, so it's the first thing you push off when you get busy. The solution? Make a self-care part of your morning or nightly routine. Often, the most straightforward and consistent self-care processes are the most powerful, such as taking a 10-minute walk every morning to clear your head. Second, re-examine your definition of success. 
We often define success as in achieving your goals and checking off your next item on your to-do list. All around us, there seems to be this busy culture where we must be doing something to be successful. If we are not producing something or working in something, then we are not successful at that moment. This can be especially true during college years. The solution, we can try to reflect on the quality rather than the quantity of our work and activities. Instead of spreading ourselves too thin and taking in too many responsibilities, we can focus on one goal and dive deeper into it. This may mean you have to go away from what you may have done in high school, being that well-rounded student who can do everything and anything. Third, another way of reducing self-care guilt is to try to say no more often. Saying no is about setting boundaries and respecting your own time. Saying yes to everyone except yourself, this one's a biggie for many of us. We often feel obligated to say yes, especially if we are asked to use a talent, a gift, or something we enjoy. The solution, you don't have to commit to someone or something just because you do it well. Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is to say no so that they can learn how to do it themselves. The fourth, taking care of yourself. Remind yourself that your time is your own. Use your time wisely. The solution, take control of your time by logging it. This simple exercise can empower us to change how we treat our time. Keep a running log for one week. Leadership and self-care. Balancing and juggling extracurriculars with work and studies, being the president of a club, a scholar athlete, and picking the kids up from school, it can be a lot of pressure in leadership. Jacob Morgan highlights the self-care with rising leaders in his book, The Future Leader, Creating Better Leaders for a Future Work. He says that if you've ever been on a flight during the safety briefing, they always say to put your mask on first before you help others. That's because in the event of an emergency where there's low carbon pressure and oxygen, you are likely to black out. And at that point, you can't help anyone else. So if you put on your own mask on first, and then you, you can be far more helpful in assisting others. Leadership is the same. You can't lead others if you aren't taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. If you're constantly stressed out, burnt out, sleep deprived, and angry, then how can you possibly lead others? In today's episode, we identified the origins of self-care, the definition and signs of self-care guilt, and the ways of avoiding and reducing self-care. Knowing how to start prioritizing self-care and having a strong support system can help us to recognize the warning signs when we we may need to take time for self-care and self-compassion. As the Dalai Lama said, if you feel burnt out, if you feel demoralized and exhausted, it's best for the sake of everyone to withdraw and restore yourself. If you're interested in exploring more about your self-care, reach out to us at the AEO or check out our bibliography for more resources. Take care. What's brewing at the AEO?